When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Tiffany Boyd. She is the founder of Free Your Children. Uh, she also has Free Your Children radio show as well. And I'm super excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for being here. I think what you're doing is so incredibly important. Um, and I think it's also, unfortunately, a little bit confusing for a lot of people. There's you know, just a lot of things around education that have been convoluted, in my opinion, intentionally so. Uh, so I'm so glad to, for all that you're doing to uh, fight for the children and for really the freedom of everyone and to clear these things up. So how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's an <laughs> honor to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So let's start with what is for your children and why did you start it and when and... Yeah. Free Your Children is a ministry that I started. Um, mm -hmm. I would say I probably launched the Facebook page because that's how it began about sure. four years ago. And it started from the work that I have been doing. This is our family's 20th year of homeschooling. So 20 Just years. Just five children. <laughs> yes, we, yeah. <laughs> we have five children. So this is our 20th year of homeschooling. And our youngest is on, only 10. So we have eight more years left in the homeschooling world. So before I started homeschooling, I was a public school teacher. So when people in the community learned that we had left the system yeah. and we left, I left begrudgingly too. So I'm saying this for your listeners that um, tune in to listen to all the wonderful information that you bring. I'm not sharing this information to con convict people because they're doing the wrong thing. Because when I was teaching in the public school system, I thought that was the right path. Sure. So I'm bringing this information to light because I want parents to be informed because I wasn't informed. When you're mm -hmm. going to school to be a public school teacher, they don't tell you the truth mm -hmm. uh, behind education. So mm -hmm. I thought during that period of time that, that I was doing all the right things. And so it was a path of self-discovery and self-research that led me to where I am today. Uh, my husband was actually the one that made the decision that we were going to homeschool. And I was not on board in the beginning with that wow. decision. I didn't want to do it. We laugh about it because I say it's one of the few times that I submitted to him. He, he would say it was the only time I submitted to him. <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek, though, because he was really the driving force then behind our decision to begin our homeschool journey. And I had all the misconceptions about homeschooling that a lot of people still have today. I didn't, you know, I'd been indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. I had gone to public school as a child. I had graduated from public school. I had gone to a public 
university to be a public school teacher. Mm -hmm. So I very much believed the narrative that that you see, you know, perpetrated today. So we we decided to make the leap because we were having some issues. I was seeing some things in the classroom that I didn't agree with, and I was asking questions because I'm a questioner by nature, much to a lot of people's dismay. (laughs) (laughs) And and so um, I wasn't happy in the classroom, and our oldest child at the time wasn't happy. She was experiencing some bullying. We were seeing a lot of staffing shortages in the school where she was at the time. And so my husband said, I've had enough. You're going to pull them out. You're going to homeschool. So that is how our journey began. And and so what happened was other people in the community realized, hey, they've left you know the school system. And they would contact me because they thought I was the expert because mm. I had been a public school teacher. So throughout the years, I would help families navigate their mm-hmm. transition from public schooling into homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So I did that for years. I founded local homeschool support groups and mm-hmm. offered classes for free and enrichment opportunities and book clubs. And I even founded a service group, you know, so the kids could get out and volunteer together as a cohesive Christian um, service network. And those things are still in existence today. But it it evolved as I was watching legislation that was in, unfolding in our state. We live in Tennessee. So in mm-hmm. the state where we were living, I was watching legislation that I knew was an usurpation of parental rights and homeschool freedoms. And so then I made the transition into being um, just a full-on advocate for parental rights and, and homeschooling freedoms and educational freedoms in general. And so through that work, I decided to found Free Your Children LLC, and the radio show came about. And so the radio show just is about education. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm also a monthly contributor to the Murfreesboro Pulse. The Borough Pulse is what it's known as. And so mm-hmm. all of my articles that I write there are specifically about education. And then I was able, through all of this work that I had been involved with, I was able to coordinate with people that do the exact same thing that I do all mm-hmm. over the United States. So we have an amazing network, and it helps us to be able to keep a pulse on what's going on in the educational climate across the nation. So then when we see things that are concerning that are happening in one area, we can bring it out because, as we know, what happens in one area of the United States affects all areas of the United States. But those, the catalyst for me venturing into that world was when I was specifically seeing things here in Tennessee that were concerning. Yeah, wow. Let's start with you were talking about how a lot of these things that we see locally mm-hmm. uh, do have uh, a top-down yeah. uh, type of uh, infiltration and control mechanism. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you think their bigger goal is, and then we'll go inward. The bigger goal, in my opinion, is a push to globalize education. So UNESCO is behind this. You know, that's the cultural arm of the UN. Mm -hmm. And they have very much been very clear. All you have to do, and and this is what I tell people all the time. I know it sounds Orwellian. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been accused of being a conspiracy theorist. That's okay. We discussed that earlier when we (laughs) said, you know, that's a tactic that they use to shut people down and stop them from asking questions or doing research. So I actually 
actually consider that a compliment. <laughs> yeah, and it's part of the scientific method. That's we right. We can't answer questions if we don't put forth hypotheses. And that's that's right. That's right. But, you know, I tell people all of the time, all of this is in black and white. All you have to do is do your research. And right. if you look it up and do your research, you will see that they're not trying to hide any of these agendas. So Charlotte Isabel warned about it, you know, in the 80s. You know, she was writing about this extensively when she worked as a senior policy advisor for Ronald Reagan. She exposed this and actually took her documents after they fired her. He's the one who declared the NED. Yes. And he did it as a circumvention because he knew that it was unconstitutional and he also knew that he wouldn't get uh, domestic support. And mm -hmm. so he created a, you know, a supranational NGO. Yeah. And so, you know, they <laughs> fired her, you know, when, yeah, when yeah. she started, she was the consummate whistleblower. So when she started blowing the whistle, they fired her, but she was smart enough to leave and take her documents with her, <laughs> Good. which she compiled in a book, you know, that people can access today and read. So this isn't anything new and it's not hidden. The agenda isn't hidden. So, you know, it's a way to spread communism throughout the United States. And of course, that's going to be implemented through the school choice plan. And what it does is it aligns everything, all curriculum and all standards to one core curriculum, one world curriculum. And then that allows the powers that be, those that are yanking your chains, to make sure that you're pigeonholed into a specific job, into a specific spot in the workforce, and they have ultimate control. It's so, it's beyond Orwellian. It's yeah. incredibly dystopian. Yeah. So let's... Uh, Okay, you brought up school choice, so uh -huh. let's let's get that one out of the way. Because okay, think, yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, you know, so I will just share. You know, I, I think some of my audience may have heard it, so you know, I'll, I'll repeat it though for those who haven't. Um, this was a huge uh, light bulb moment for me, where I had to eat crow and uh, realize that I was very wrong. Uh, but I, when I was in sixth grade, I actually started a board for school choice. Oh wow! So uh -huh. yeah, I've kind of always been interested in these kind of matters. Um, but yeah, I went to a very, a school in a very small town. Mm -hmm. I was in a public school and there was no public high school right. in my town. So there was, it sounds very cliche, but I, I lived in a town called Anglewood Cliffs and there was Anglewood. Uh -huh. And Anglewood, you could go to the Anglewood High School, but Anglewood was, uh, again, very cliche. There were railroad tracks and there was one side of the tracks and there was the other side of the track. This high school happened to be in the wrong side of the, on the wrong side of the track, um, and it was literally dangerous for mm -hmm. people who were white. I, mm -hmm. I, there's no other way to put it. Right. It just was. That mm -hmm. was really how it was, mm -hmm. and it was not very, uh, you know, well ranked in terms of education and right. that sort of thing. So. Um, I didn't understand why so many of my friends, you know, from nursery school and from mm -hmm. my younger elementary, they went, they lived in Tenafly, Creskill, these neighboring towns, and it was literally closer to go to those schools. So mm -hmm. why did I have to go to this school? It just made no sense to me. So I started this board. About six years later, they implemented school choice. I, I can't take credit. Maybe, maybe I had some small piece of it. Um, at one point, I was very proud of that, and I like to take credit, but now I'm kind of, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm ashamed. But uh, yeah, so, but the when I started, you know, when I started diving into some of these things, and mm -hmm. I started to realize, wait, school choice means that there's funding attached to it. Exactly. And then this means that, wait, who pulls the strings? He who pays the bills. So. Yep. Uh, therefore, you don't really have choice because you're beholden to those who are paying the funds. So 
uh, that, that's my little uh, learning lesson. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, you nailed to... it. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You nailed it. And it's so refreshing to be able to speak to someone who really gets it and can connect the dots. And I think for the, the general public, yeah. they have been fed something that sounds really nice, right? Yeah. It sounds fantastic to think that they're empowering parents, the money is going to follow the child, that this is going to be the answer to all the educational problems that our nation is facing today. That's how it's been sold. Right. And so when you look at the conservative platform, that is one of their core tenets. You know, they're going to fight and do whatever they can to get school choice. But what people need to realize is we already have school choice. School choice, we have the choice to either homeschool our children, send our children to a private school, or send our children to a public school. Mm -hmm. And those rights don't come from the government. <laughs> right. We don't need a politician or a political platform to tell us that we have school choice. Um, we, God gives us the right to educate our children how we see fit. So the government does not give us those rights. We already fundamentally have those rights. And so what parents need to realize is that money that's following the child, as you said and just mentioned, that money is attached to strings. So as that money follows the child, so do those strings. And so if that money is following that child to, say, a charter school, well, those strings are going to be tied to that charter school. If those monies are following the child into homeschooling, those strings would then follow into homeschooling. So that's how it works. And so what School Choice seeks to do is make all forms of education public because all forms of education will then be funded by the government. And, you know, I've heard all of the, the, the same arguments over and over. It's our money. We want our money back. And I told someone not long ago, I said, first, when you pay your money into the government, it no longer belongs to you. Whether you agree with that or not, it just doesn't. Boomerang money always comes with strings. You know, I tell people, stop advocating for the money to follow the child if you want your money back. Instead, advocate for tax reform where they don't get your money to begin with if you're not implementing, you know, using the system. Totally. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm a huge fan of tax reform. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the federal taxes aren't even constitutional. Um, but right. the, the local taxes, absolutely. Yeah, and so what is happening is with all of these choice initiatives, mm. what's happening is that parents want this money and then they want to use it as they ha they see fit. And, you know, school choice is called different things depending on which bill you're looking at, which state you live in. Some states have universal school choice. Some don't. Tennessee does not. So you'll see vouchers, ESAs, tax credits. They're all one and the same. They're all boomerang money. And that money is always going to come back with strings. I tell people at the end of the year, if you don't visit all the state parks, do you go and demand your money back? <laughs> <laughs> that fund, you know, the state parks. Yeah. If you don't drive on specific roads, do you go to your local highway department and demand, you know, the money back for the roads that you didn't use? The same with the fire department, the same with the police department. Education is the only arena where people demand their money back. And right. what they don't understand is, like we said, with that money comes strings. Right. And school choice, it, this is how it works. I, yeah. I had this conversation on the way up here uh, okay. this afternoon, and I said, it's like this. You can have a sandwich mm -hmm. as long as that sandwich is, if you're not in the South, bologna. <laughs> so you can have a sandwich, but it has to be a bologna. We call it bologna here in the South. Right, right. It has to be a bologna sandwich. Right. Okay, so they're going to tell you what you can teach, how you teach right. it. You know, all... 
and and here's the thing people say oh no you know charter schools or or independent schools they have an opportunity to choose the curriculum that they want mm-hmm. to use but what people don't understand is in order for them to be competitive they mm-hmm. are going to require assessments all of those assessments are nationally aligned so they're all going to have to teach the same thing to be able to be competitive to prove that that method of education is is working yes so when you said it's it's a a method for bringing about the essentially global control Mm -hmm. uh through the education system Mm -hmm. how would school choice lead to a global uh education well if all forms of education are accepting federal money then they get to control all forms of education you know i tell people all the time right now homeschooling is one of the last frontiers of freedom. Mm -hmm. We get to educate our children the way that we see fit. Mm -hmm. But if we're taking money from the government, they're going to reach their tentacles in and tell us how we're going to have to do it. And, you know, right now in Tennessee, we are dealing with some things that are going on in terms of homeschooling. You know, people have the misnomer. They, you know, they believe that Tennessee is a conservative state. It's a red state. So there's all this freedom. But actually, our homeschool laws in Tennessee are not that great. And right now, we are fighting against state overreach because the state of Tennessee has decided, Tennessee Department of Education and the State Board of Education have decided to come in and implement rule changes, which take effect August the 15th. And these rule changes were done by an appointed board. Appointed board. Appointed board. who appointed the board? The education commissioner. And Mm -hmm. at that point in time, it would have been Penny Schwinn. Okay. Who was also responsible for the Wellbeing Child Check initiative that she tried to launch during COVID, which was going to give the state of Tennessee the right to come into any home and implement a a check, a well-being check on your child. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's horrifying. Yes. And actually, when that happened... um, I had a homeschool group that was, it was comprised of about over 900 families, I believe, Mm -hmm. at the time. And so we had an individual that was a member of that group who was a realtor. Mm -hmm. And he actually had a client that was looking to buy property here in Tennessee. And that client had decided that they better look at the state website to see what homeschooling was like in in Tennessee. And they stumbled upon what had been uploaded to our Tennessee Department of Education website. And it was this well-being initiative that had already been instituted. So the individual contacted me and said, what do you know about this? And I was like, um, I don't know anything about this. I've never seen it before. And so I immediately started calling, you know, I, I rallied the troops together. We immediately started calling people all over the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Every rep that we spoke to stated that they had no idea that it had been uploaded, that it was being initiated. And it specifically named homeschooling, private schools. It was for every child. And so we implemented enough pushback. They started out by removing the term homeschooling. We said that's not good enough because mm-hmm. in the state of Tennessee, the majority of homeschoolers are are registered under private schools. Okay, we would be considered private school families. So when that terminology private schools was still in there, the majority of us were still affected. Sure. So more pushback, they removed that. And, you know, I looked at that and I said, this isn't right, no matter how you're educating your children. The government has no right to come into your home. Right, of course. Um, Especially to perform a well-being check, you know, on on your child. what's well-being? Exactly. And so they wound up shelving that program. But we weren't happy with that. We asked for the removal of Penny Schwinn at that period of 
of time because we thought if the state can take it upon themselves to do this, what's going to stop them from doing something in the future? Right. And now the new education commissioner that we have is worse, in my opinion, than Penny Schwinn was. How so? Well, she has ties to Soros and Bill Gates, and she's a globalist, and she's very much in line with, you know, all the initiatives that we've spoken about before. Wow. Well, I do want to get into what are some of these uh, homeschooling initiatives that they're placing in the state. I I know that you were saying, like, it's a red state, so people seem to think it's going to be really friendly. Uh, We had actually met someone who, uh, I I think they went to jail, actually, for, it must have been 30 years ago, and they had to fight a case. In the 80s, probably? Yeah. Because they couldn't homeschool. Right, right. It wasn't legal then in yeah. the state of Tennessee. So they were probably some of the pioneers. They were the that, pioneers, yeah, That yes. were working to make homeschooling legal they, in the state yes. of Tennessee. And they set the precedence. Yeah. Yes. And what I see happening, in my opinion, we're going backward in terms of freedom in the state of Tennessee than forward with homeschooling. What they're doing now is this non, uh, non-elected board, this appointed board, right. decided that they needed to clarify for us mm-hmm. what our rights were to homeschool in the state of Tennessee. And you know as well as I do, when the government starts enumerating and telling you what your rights are, uh-huh. <laughs> that's always a bad sign. Yes. Um, they're supposed to be there to protect your inalienable right. rights, not grant you rights. <laughs> exactly. And so we were notified that they had decided to make rule changes to um, the way that the homeschool re- regulations are in the state of Tennessee. So this isn't law, okay? okay. These are just rule changes that the State Board of Education and the, and the Tennessee Department of Education have decided to institute. Right. One of those would be those of us that are registered under CRS, church-related schools, or uh-huh. some people call them umbrella schools. It's what... The majority of homeschoolers in the state of Tennessee are registered under. Those of us that are registered under that particular choice in the state of Tennessee to homeschool, we are then required to educate our children for 6.5 hours a day instead of the four hours that Tennessee state law says that we're required. And they're using the words operating schedule and instructional time interchangeably. And we both know that that's a misnomer because operating hours and instructional time are two totally different things. Uh, An operating schedule is for a brick-and-mortar school. Homeschools are not brick-and-mortar schools. And if you're in school, you know, I used to be a classroom teacher, so I can say this with authority, okay? There there are not 6.5 hours of instruction that are happening (laughs) in a brick-and-mortar school, no matter, you know, what type of school it is. Um, Because you have recess, you have class changes, you know, you have all these interruptions during the day that are not, wouldn't be considered instructional time. So that's one of the biggest things. They also changed the compulsory attendance age. So that was something that was different. And then also, also, I noticed that the the last legislative session removed the immunization requirement for homeschoolers in the state of Tennessee. However, according to HSLDA, that doesn't seem to apply to those of us that are registered under CRSs, the church-related schools or the umbrella schools. So I never recommend any homeschool family ever to register as an independent homeschooler through the state. But it appears to me that they're trying to put the thumb down on those of us who are not registering with them and choosing a different option to homeschool. And this is one of the ways that they're doing it. My question is now, how is this constitutional? If this isn't a law, how are they going to enforce this? Right. 
And so apparently the state has decided that they're going to come up with a guidebook <laughs> that's going to describe, I'm assuming, how this enforcement is going to work. So there have been families, I sounded the alarm on this almost a week before many of the other organizations even realized that this was going on and started asking some really hard questions. And they weren't transparent about any of this information. We had to jump through hoops um, to find out who was sitting on that non-public schools advisory council. Um, HSLDA had originally released a statement that said that they had no clue how this was going to affect homeschool families. Then just last night, I was alerted that they had released another statement, which I shared over on For Your Children. Um, but it's part and parcel. You know, it's gross government overreach. The state is now telling us what we can and cannot do in our homeschools. And so I've told homeschool families, you need to be alert about this and you need to be speaking out and standing up because if they can make these rule changes so easily, what's going to prevent them from making even more rule changes in the future? And we have no representation. So how do you, how, how can you fight against it? I've told everyone what they really need to do is reach out to their representatives and right. let them know that you're not, in, if you're homeschooling, you're not in agreement with these rule changes that are being implemented by the State Board of Education and by the Tennessee Department of Education. And then we really need to do a deep dive into how can the state enforce something if it's not law? Right. Yeah, the you can't enforce something right. that's not a law. Right? Exactly. And that, that's beyond an overreach. Yes, that's a, absolutely. That's tyranny. <laughs> yeah. So I think that there are a lot of people that are even moving into this area. They had no idea. They thought sure. they were moving in here and, and homeschooling was going to be a breeze. And then they're realizing that it is appearing that we're living in a nanny state. Yeah. That they have a lot more control um, than even some of the states that they're moving from. Right. You were talking about even with the, the like the vaccine schedule. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, if you theoretically, if you're at home, right. <laughs> why, why on earth? Is, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that, that should not be, a, shouldn't be something that they even check, let right. alone like be concerned with. Yeah, and I'm a huge advocate. Our homeschool laws in Tennessee need to change. They need to be rewritten. We yeah. need better homeschool laws. The problem is the way that they're written now, there's such a blurring of the lines between what really is homeschooling, homeschooling, private schooling. You know, as I said, those of us that are registered under umbrella schools, the church-related schools, they're called Category 4 schools, you know, mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're looking at the law. Um, we're lumped into the same category with private schools, and we're not a private school. Right. We, we're a family that, you know, where the parents are providing, um, the leading and directing their child's education. So that's not the same thing as a private school. But mm. because of the way the law is written, that's how the majority of us are lumped in. Yeah, very, very different things. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about, because there's a bill coming up, the uh, HB 1214? Yes, HB 1214. Um, our My For Your Children group actually scheduled a rally in opposition to this bill back mm -hmm. during the legislative session. And there was a lot of political maneuvering that was going on because we had like 167, I believe it was, homeschool families that had responded oh. to this rally. And I don't know how many homeschool families you know, but most of us are really large. <laughs> yeah. So 160 homeschool families could be a lot of people, you know, descending sure. on the state capitol in opposition to this bill. And um, and this was all across the state of Tennessee. Wow. And so I was sharing updates continually, you know, about mm. what they were doing with this bill. And, and originally it had started out, I think the general public, first off, the caption 
did not even remotely touch what the bill was about. Right. So you had to really dig deep into the bill to really figure out what was going on. And originally the bill had been written and what it was attempting to do was to uh, change the education code. And it was going to change the definition of homeschooling by adding a whole nother option into homeschooling. And this is just insanity at, at its finest right here. It was an option where it was going to add an additional option to homeschool in the state of Tennessee. If families chose this option, their fam their child would then be considered a public school student. Now, do you know any homeschooling family that would choose a homeschooling option that would then inadvertently make their child a public school student? Craziness. No. So they eventually wound up <laughs> the insanity is astounding. But they originally then they what they did, there was so much pushback against that. They amended right. it, okay? So then they sent out the 13-page amendment, and that amendment focused on the aspect of the bill, which was charter boarding schools, at-risk charter boarding schools, okay? And so this is where the general public needs to be aware that HB 1214 was not just a homeschooling bill, which was kind of how it was peddled to begin with, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess so the general public wouldn't think that it affected them. But what was what is so nefarious, in my opinion, about this bill is what it does is it explicitly defines what at risk means, who would be considered at risk. And so those things were socioeconomically disadvantaged children, poor children, children that would qualify for free and reduced lunch, Um, children that they're at risk. Yes, they would be considered at risk. Then there was negligent uh parenting, uh, negligence, there was disability, there was probation, there was parole. I mean, it was just a whole list that really opened the door. It was such a broad, sweeping generalization. And you're right, just because you're poor, does that mean you're a bad parent? That your children should be taken away from you and Mm -hmm. housed in a charter boarding school because you're socioeconomically disadvantaged? I mean, it's just egregious. It's absurd. Yes, yes. So I was infuriated when I was reading all of this. And then I started doing a lot of research, which is Mm -hmm. what I do. And I realized that this was all tied to the mental health initiatives that are being pushed. So schools are being flooded with behavioral health liaisons, school counselors, clinical social workers, and yes, I said social workers. And so those are the individuals that will be determining who is at risk. And who is uh, advising, guiding, and paying them? If you look, if you want to know who's advising them, you can look at the Tennessee School Counselor Association, the American School Counselor Association. I've shared information about that extensively in my writing that I've done for the Borough Pulse. And so it's a pretty clear agenda (laughs) if you do a deep dive into all of these things. And the scary thing about it is if Say, for instance, your child came to school, they were meeting with counselors or clinical social workers or behavioral health liaisons, and that counselor says, I think they're confused about their gender. And then the parent steps up and says, absolutely not. I do not want my child participating in any of this. Then that counselor or social worker can then say, that's negligent parenting. And then your child would then be one of those that would be considered at risk and eligible for an at-risk boarding charter school. Where they take the kids Mm -hmm. away from the parents and then do the kids become a product of the state? That's a good question. And, you know, they have these boarding schools somewhere else, too, in China. Right, right. (laughs) 
Wow. Absolutely. And I think that parents don't really realize, and you can look, I did a deep dive into this the other yeah. day, and I went and looked at all the job postings across the nation, and there were thousands of job postings for clinical social workers, behavioral health liaisons, school counselors, and just in the state of Tennessee, Governor Lee just allocated $8 million additional dollars to focus on school health in the state of Tennessee to increase these numbers of counselors and medical professionals that are coming into the state and into the schools. That's horrifying. It's very horrifying. That is so incredibly scary. Um, I, I know when you first mentioned me, of course, what went through my head, I started thinking of MK Ultra because mm -hmm. what are they doing to these kids right. when they're being pulled away into these schools? And then, of course, yeah, you think about the, the Nazi regime, right? Right, And it was the social scientists who were doing all sorts of experiments yep. and taking uh, mm -hmm. people away, both children and adults in, in that case. Yeah. You know, and yeah, of course, China with the re-education camps yeah. and... And then if you look at the aspect of this, so these school counselors in, a, in in Georgia, for instance, they can diagnose children, okay? Mm -hmm, right. And so if that's happening and children are being saddled with mm -hmm. medical diagnosis that are going to follow them for the rest of their lives, that's going to prevent them from being able to buy a firearm in the future. Right. So that's, that's how they're sweeping it right. into this same bill. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. So now they are defenseless, of course. Exactly. And uh, the, the reason we have the Second Amendment is to prevent slaves exactly. to the government mm -hmm. so that we are yeah. uh, autonomous being. Yeah. Um, w wow. It's so, a lot. I, I yeah. cover this extensively in the seminars okay, that I've great. started offering, and it's I get accused all of t all of the time of being like a fire hose, right, right. <laughs> because it's just so much information, and I think it's important. Parents it's need, important. yeah. I mean, I think parents really need to realize what's going on. You can't fight back if you don't know you don't what know. you're fighting. You have to be able to identify, um, and I'm going to say this, you have to be able to identify the enemy. You have to sure. identify where the threat is coming from so that you can then create a plan. Of course, yeah. No. <laughs> and, and so I think most people don't know. And, and I'm not being facetious when I say that because I didn't know either until sure. I started doing all the research and, you know, putting in all the hours and hours of trying to connect the dots and figure out, you know, where all this was coming from and what it meant. Well, I'm really grateful that you, you've done that and you've made it so accessible to people. The other thought that I had, and of course, you know, with everything, and you see really in Tennessee, they've really been targeting this mm -hmm. with the, the, the trans agenda. Yes. And so what happens if, uh, you know, they make a slight insinuation exactly. and the child answers a question a certain way, mm -hmm. and then, uh, you know, the parents say, oh, no, my child's not trans. Right. They decide that that's negligence. Yep. And now they can essentially mutilate the children and take them away. And I'm glad you brought that up because I have a lot of followers that, that follow for your children. And then, of course, the radio show has a, a worldwide listening audience. And so several of those followers have contacted me and they have said things like, um, I work, have worked for DCS in the past and you would not believe the number of parents that were uh, charged with criminal, I mean, uh, medically negligent um parenting. And then that opened a can of worms for all the things that you just mentioned um, 
right then. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's like a Pandora's box is what sure. it is. I mean, it really is because with the parents disagree with the professional, then it's very easy for that professional to then get DCS involved and for them to take then take the parent to court and then have a judge um, determine that that parent is negligent. And then you lose custody of your child and then it opens a whole, you know, different world up that you really don't want to be involved in. No, for sure. And that, that is usually how they yep. execute communist takeovers. Yes. Right? And, and I don't know if you have looked, but I've shared this on For Your Children as well. The U.S. Department of Education has issued a toolkit to be used across the nation in schools, and it's the LGBTQ plus toolkit. And that toolkit is aligned with the CDC. And so you can see all the information that they are working on implementing in schools, public schools across the nation. And what kinds of things are they? All of the kinds I, I'm sure of things. I'm it's expansive, yes, but you can it, give some it, highlights. It's, it's all the kinds of things that you would expect. They teach that uh, gender is fluid that it can change, um, that it's not determined from birth. You know, all those things right. that you see circulating on social media are what they're going to be propagating. And I thought it was also very interesting that said that right now there are entities that are working to um, redo the health standards for the nation. So I'm certain that at some point we are going to see uh, from the U.S. You know, Department of Health um, a whole new list of health standards that will be coming out in the future. Health, uh, as in physical health, mental health? Most of it is focusing on mental health. Sure. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. And that, you know, again, in my seminars, I cover a lot of this because the National Governors Association is involved in this push for mental health. There's a lot of money to be made. They're wrapping this around so that they can build Medicaid. Mm -hmm. It's attached to Title I funding. So you're talking about, you know, big money here uh, that's right. involved in a lot of these initiatives that I have decided that I was going to expose. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad you are. What, um, before we get into some of the others, what, what are, this, this bill is coming up really soon, right? Yes, it was, a- yes, it was recommended to, to the summer study session here in Tennessee. You know, Governor Lee is, has called for a special Study session that's supposed to focus on, I believe, um, gun rights um, in the state of Tennessee. And I fully believe, I could be wrong, I don't think so, because uh, from what I've been told, there have been some meetings that have been held. Cameron Sexton is the one that sponsored this bill, Mm -hmm. okay? And so he is still very much discussing these charter boarding schools and mental health. and, And again, the National Governors Association is involved in a lot of this as well, too. So I fully expect this to be buried in um, some of their initiatives that they're going to be pushing through this summer. Do you think it's going to be buried? I believe it will be. I think it will be buried in some of the legislation that they'll be working on under mental health, under the guise of safety. Because here's the thing. When you're talking about gun safety, what they're talking about is mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, what do we need to do to prevent these mass shootings? Right. Clearly, it has to be attached to mental health. And so this is what we're going to do um, to combat that. 
And so what can uh, people do, people who are local? I think one thing that... But they, I'm sure if it's happening in Tennessee, I, yeah. so I think people in Tennessee should definitely, because this is coming up, but I yes. think people in other states should take notice because... Right. Well, if they're they, really interested in, in having me come and speak in detail about all these things, because, yeah. you know, we're barely scratching the sure, surface. It, I, it's so extensive. And, and again, like I said, <laughs> people say you're like a fire hose. Yeah. Um, I really, the presentation that I put out really goes through it succinctly. Okay. Great. to explain how all this is laid out, where it came from, where it's headed, what, you know, what the ultimate goal is for them. That's one thing. Follow for your children is, an, is another way that you can get educated because I don't just focus on Tennessee. It's all over the nation sure. that I focus on. Contact your representatives locally. Um, tell them, you know, that you're aware of what's going on, that you do not agree with it. I, I always say this. When the legislature is in session, it's a full-time job. Right. To watch all of the legislation that's coming through and to because you can't just depend on the captions right. because oftentimes the captions aren't even remotely what the bill is even covering. So you really have to do a deep dive and, mm -hmm. and read and make sure that they aren't burying anything um, in these bills that they're introducing. That's another thing that needs to be done. I think. Families in general really need to get educated. They yeah. need to, to really do a deep dive on the history of the educational system yes. that we have today so that they have a better understanding of school choice, the globalist agenda, where these initiatives are going. And again, um, you know, I can provide them with all kinds of links. I always tell everyone, don't take my word for it. Do yeah. your own research. Of course. Um, and then, you know, that way you're educated and armed with the knowledge that you need to continue to protect your parental rights and your educational freedom. But also, another thing that I will say is start educating your representatives. Because a Some lot of them, them don't know. Right. A lot of them do not know. Some of them do know. Some yeah. of them don't want to know. Right. <laughs> and then there are those who really don't know and would be open to hearing um, the truth. Sure. And so providing opportunities to educate them. And then if you have representatives that don't know or don't care or are intent on continuing to push these agendas, start right. finding someone else uh -huh. that can run, <laughs> that really is educated and knows what's going on to try to affect change. And don't um, start locally. You know, yeah. start because, you know, I think sometimes people just look to, you know, national leaders or national yeah. representatives or or at the state level. And all of those obviously are important, but but don't underestimate the power of your local elected officials as well. So start there and move all the way up the chain, you know, to get your representatives educated about what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, as much as all those uh, other mm -hmm. like state and federal are important, locally is where there's. It has the most impact and also where you might have the most absolutely change yeah and then if you don't want your children being subjected to all of these um, nefarious agendas or yeah. ideologies get your children out of public schools yeah I want to talk about that yeah. yeah yeah a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions still today about homeschooling so one thing that I decided to do with my radio show was try to dismantle those common misconceptions yeah. one of the ones that I hear over and over again is single moms can't homeschool mm -hmm. so I decided that I was going to do a series of interviewing single moms mm -hmm. that are homeschooling and have done it phenomenally well. And so that's been, been very encouraging to see that. 
Um, I have recorded a series of people who work full-time and mm-hmm. homeschool successfully, and that Amazing. was equally as encouraging, yes. Um, and then, you know, there's just a lot of misconceptions. One is well, we don't have the money to homeschool. Mm-hmm. So I actually threw a post out about that yeah. over on Free Your Children, and it generated well over 200 likes, and it's still going. I Great. still get notifications every day. People jumped in and left comments about their socioeconomic status uh-huh. and how they were not wealthy and what they had done without, and they'd made the sacrifices to homeschool. I think that that's a huge misconception is people think that people that homeschool are wealthy. Yeah. No, we're not wealthy. You can you can look outside and see the 22-year-old car I'm driving to know <laughs> that we're not wealthy. We just chose to make sacrifices to make it happen. Right. I, I also would just want to add that I think that that was largely by design. I yes. think the feminist movement <clears throat> did mm-hmm. a phenomenally... devastating job of uh, convincing, you know, women they had to be in the workforce and making it so that it was so much more difficult to be a mom Mm -hmm. and a a housewife and to live on one income. I agree. Um, But that doesn't mean that it can't be done. But there was a major propaganda machine behind that whole. Yes. And, and I would even say that even before that, during the Industrial Revolution, when the women were forced, you know, oh, yeah. into the workforce, that it was the same thing then. Oh, yeah. And so, and, and then too, also, our modern day educational system that we have, their whole goal is to produce consumers, which they've done. Yes. Well, and so also based on the Prussian three-tier model, which was designed to breed a uh, Obedient, compliant soldiers. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was literally yes. what they said. <laughs> that was their whole mission. Absolutely. Yes, it yeah. was. And I think that our culture has believed the lie that you have to have all this stuff. And yes. they did that on purpose because if you believe that you have to have all this stuff, then you're going to have to work to get all the stuff. Right. And so you're going to send your children away to the state for right. the state to raise your children. Sure. And educational psychology, it happened upon the scene around the late 1800s. And mm-hmm. our very first education commissioner, William Tory Harris, propagated the belief that children are the sole property of the state and that parents need to turn their children over to the experts to educate them. So I always get so... Um, Tickled, I guess you could say, when I hear, you know, parents say, I don't, I can't, I'm not qualified to teach my child. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You were their first teacher. You are the most qualified person (laughs) to teach your child. God gave you those children. It wasn't an accident. He knew exactly what he was doing. No one knows your child any more than you do, any better than you do. And no one has their be- their vested interest at heart more than the parents. Absolutely. So I, I encourage everybody to go and find all of your resources, resources listen to your show. Uh, but could you give a couple of examples of things that uh, parents can do, whether it be a single mom or maybe just a family that doesn't have tremendous means and how they can. And I don't think it's just about money, though. I think a lot of people are overwhelmed. Like you just said, they right. feel like they're unqualified. They're like, I don't know. Right. I'm not good at math or right. I'm not good at science. How am I going to teach my kid? And then he's going to, he or she is not going to have any chance. Right. Well, thankfully, we live in the information age. It wasn't like it was, <laughs> yeah. wasn't like it was when dinosaurs like me first started homeschooling and there was no internet. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> and we had to do everything the hard way. You know, now you can sit down and at the touch of your fingertips, you can communicate with people all over the United States. You can find mentors. You can find resources. There are a host of free um, curriculums that you can use to homeschool your children. You can homeschool with nothing more than a library card. 
Sure. You can build your own personal library. So, you know, homeschoolers are really good, too, about sharing curriculums if mm-hmm. they choose to. I think oftentimes for people that are considering homeschooling, they yeah. oftentimes put the cart before the horse. Right. The first thing they want to do is run out and drop hundreds of dollars on curriculum. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, don't do that. First, you need to de-school. You need yes. to unlearn everything that you ever thought you knew about education. <laughs> I didn't do that and learn the hard way. So don't do as I do. Do as I say. <laughs> right, right. De-school yourself. That's probably more important than de-schooling your children because you have to, there's a difference between school and education. Absolutely. And so you have to be able to separate that and really do a deep dive into the difference of the two and, and let go of all the preconceived ideas that you had about education. That's number one. Number two is you need to decide on what educational model that you want to implement. And that might vary. If you have multiple children, that might vary. One child might do well with the Charlotte Mason method. Another child might do better with the classical method. Some might do well with the eclectic method, which is a combination, you know, of many of the different methods. We've been eclectic for 20 years. So I tell people do that first, because if you go and buy a specific curriculum and it doesn't work out, you've wasted all this money. Mm -hmm. Um, So I tell people do that all the time. Um, Do not recreate public school at home. The freedom that comes with homeschooling, um, it's invaluable. I mean, once you realize that you have the freedom to actually make learning fun mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and learn right alongside with your children, yeah. you know, what you're doing when you, t- you're not going to know everything. Okay. No one knows everything. So you need to realize there are going to be holes and that's okay. And you are providing your child with such a blessing when they come to you and say, um, why is the sky blue? You may not know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. And so you can say to them, that's a really good question. Let's sit down and look it up. So you are modeling to your child that education is a lifelong learning process. Yes. And you should take joy in that. And, you know, you should let them know that it's okay if you don't know something, but give them the tools to learn how to find it out, how to research it for themselves. So, you know, enjoy the journey. That's number one. Give yourself grace. You're not going to know everything. I tell people all the time, do not make a decision um, about homeschooling the first year because that's the first year that you're trying to find your groove. You're trying to figure everything out. You have to give yourself grace and you have to give yourself time to, you know, de-school too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that part of uh, being able to learn with them. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mm-hmm. think and you put it very well that it's a, it's a modeling. It is. My kids say to me all the time because, you know, I love deciding, you know, what we're going to be studying for the school year. And so we'll get ready to do something and I'll say, are we learning this because you want to learn it? Or are we learning this because it's something we're supposed to be learning? And I'm like, both. Because if you really... Stop and, and and realize that, again, every waking moment of every day is a learning opportunity. You are given mm-hmm. such a gift with your children. Mm-hmm. And it's just for a short little period of time. Make the most of it and enjoy it. Enjoy mm-hmm. the journey. You're not going to mess your kids up. I tell people all the time, your worst day at home will mm-hmm. be, be better than their best day at school ever was. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of truth in that. And there's also so much uh, practical learning they can Mm -hmm. do that is not taught. Absolutely, yes. I I always say we live in the middleman age. Absolutely. So we're so removed from any kind of self-sufficiency. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and there's a huge movement, you know, within the homeschool community too to 
to teach those things, to teach, you know, kids how to, to can and cook and raise a garden and change the oil in their car and, you know, uh, repair, you know, the, you know, engines and all those types of things that they might not necessarily have access to in a traditional school environment. And, And let's face it, the big focus in schools right now is social emotional learning. That's taken precedent over taking, teaching the children how to read, how to do math. Um, they're not focusing on the three R's anymore. Yeah, and I I've heard some really dystopian Orwellian mm-hmm. things about social emotional learning yeah. where they're tying it to tech ed. Yes, and they're tracking and yeah. tracing. Yeah, and they're- that is their number one program. I feel like that they're doing the data collection for, and a lot of people don't realize that. You know, they're always make sure you go and see what's in the curriculum. Well, what they're creating now is curriculum that evolves as the child is going through the curriculum. So the curriculum is generated as they're answering the questions. So there's no way that you can see what the what their curriculum is prior to them getting involved in all this tech ed stuff. And what is uh, I guess I could ask this two ways. What what is the purported intentions of the evolving curriculum? What they're what doing is, what with a see? lot of the data collection, in my opinion, is they're using it to pigeonhole children into the careers where they feel like they will best fit according okay. to their answers. And you know, SEL, what it's doing is it's it's a it's an ideology and and it's being implemented through various curriculums throughout the United States, and it's. Teaching the children what to think, how to feel, and what to believe. Wow. Yeah. And I've written about, I have an article titled, What is SEL? over on the Borough Pulse. Uh And you can read how it's aligned to Castle and the roots of Castle and the tears that they use. And it's all very nefarious. It's it's tied to the workforce community development model, these... Mm -hmm. um, innovative schools that Tennessee has dumped $500 million in. And what a lot of people don't realize about the community schools is this workforce development. It's not the VOTEC like it was in the fifties. Okay. Where mm-hmm. you went to school and you know, you, you took um, shop or whatever. That's right. not what this is. This okay. starts as early as elementary school. And so these children are data mined and they're pigeonholed into the job that they're going to have and their curriculum and their school course is then modeled for that career path all the way through school from elementary to high school. They're picking it. So Mm -hmm. it's not like the child is saying, this is a track and I want to. No, and you think about this. We have five children. Our youngest is 10. Mm -hmm. If I ask my 10-year-old what she wants to be when Mm -hmm. she grows up, she doesn't even know what she wants to eat tomorrow most of the time. Or tonight. (laughs) Or tonight, that's right. I still don't know. Exactly. And, And so what it's doing is it's actually limiting the choices of children because if all of their... Um, studies, if, if their course of study is being geared to a, toward a specific track and then that changes, right? Um, you know, it has limited what they can be when they grow up or what path they want to take when they graduate. Sure. I mean, there's also the, you know, and this, uh, I, I don't know enough to know, but I know a lot about the technology that exists. So I know yes. the capacity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's, there's definitely the capacity for both uh, brain control as well as mind control. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty scary to think about. You know, it's really interwoven. Uh, you know, I, I was speaking to someone, he, he's a school board member, and I was speaking to him not long ago, and he had gone to a seminar that spoke about SEL and how they were weaving it into all subjects, okay? And so this was one of the examples that was used. 
say it's a math class and they might be asking about an amusement park. So the, the question may be, you're given $100, mm-hmm. you've gone to an amusement park, you've spent 80 how much change are you going to have? Mm-hmm. So then the teacher may say, who here has gone to an amusement park? Well, one little child over here doesn't raise their hand. And then the teacher says, well, why haven't you gone to an amusement park? Does your family not have enough money uh, for you to be able to afford an amusement park? Well, do you have enough money to buy food? You see where I'm going with this? Then the teacher may ask, um, so how many of you went to the amusement park with mom and dad? And little Susie over here doesn't raise her hand. And the teacher says, you've never been to an amusement park with mom and dad? Well, I have two moms. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about those of us who have two moms or two dads or a dad that identifies as a mom. So they are interweaving this into every aspect of a child's curriculum today. Wow. Yeah. I feel like a broken record. I'm just like floored. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's very pervasive. And this is the thing. I read about this sort of thing, but Uh to hear someone who has seen this firsthand, that's just... I just shared a survey over on Free Your Children from a local school system here in Tennessee that was circulating, and it was asking all kinds of personal questions Mm -hmm. along that same vein. A survey that was asking those kind of questions. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in Tennessee. Yep. Wow. What yeah. are some, so I, I know we talked about the HB 1214 and mm-hmm. that definitely uh, people should at least bring awareness to right. it so that uh, if they do sweep it under, then right. people at least know it's there. Right. And uh, that gives them more chance of being able to right. uh, stop it. What are some other things that are being uh, put forth that you think people should... Well, the U.S. It. Department of Education right now, through the Federal Register, they are working toward removing parental consent. And right now it's tied to IDEA funding, but there are some some very specific things that are going on with IDEA funding, too, because of different federal laws that have been passed. So if a family accepts, you know, has a, has a child that's under that IDEA program and they remove the parental consent, then the parents have no say-so. And again, it's tied to all of that funding. So the Federal Register was giving the public an opportunity to comment, um, and that ends August the 1st, but it looks like they are moving ahead with their agenda even prior to the public comments, and all of that information can be found over on For Your Children as well. Wow. I, I just had another thought about the whole SEL and the tech ed. Um, and again, this is, it could be my imagination going into over, overdrive, but you, you keep bringing up Orwell. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Brave New World. <laughs> so is there any possibility, you know, they, they keep talking about how they want like a metaverse, the, right. you know, the advent of AI and yeah. virtual reality. Um, do you think that they're trying to gear towards uh, using this technology where uh, people where the children are being groomed for a transhuman type of to at least accept that yeah. notion whether okay. yeah absolutely there are um, there's there's a lot of information that's leading um, toward that particular narrative so you know I think 
for a long time, parents have just, they, well, they've been conditioned. They've been right. conditioned to trust the school system. They've been conditioned to trust the government. I think COVID changed a lot of things for a mm -hmm. lot of people sure. and made them really start paying attention um, to what was going on. But I would say they probably still don't even know the tip of the iceberg because every day when I sit down to do research, I discover something new every single day. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's just so extensive. And again, it just permeates so much. Um, and there's so much going on that it's literally a full-time job to try to keep up with it. And speaking about the Federal Register, there's a lady, her name's um, Lynn Taylor, and she has the Common she has the common Core Diva, and she's the one that actually found that information out there um, and brought it to my attention and asked me to share it. And so mm -hmm. she's still working on, you know, bringing that information to the forefront as well. So I wanted to give Lynn credit for all of the hard work that she's doing as well. So, so which information was that? The, about the... The removal of parental rights from the IDEA funding, and it's listed on the Federal Register where you can go over and give um, public comment. Wow! About that, yes, yes. Okay, that's good. Everybody mm -hmm. should go there, mm -hmm. and uh, because that's I, I kind of feel like they've already overstuffed and oh yeah, on parents, right? absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, with the work that I do, it's not just me, Tiffany Boyd, out here saying, "Listen to what I'm saying." I'm right. in touch with a network of people that do the same thing that I do all over the United States. Sure, and we're all sounding the alarm about these things to try to get parents to wake up mm -hmm. um, and realize that they need to be concerned about what's going on and they need to research you know, exactly mm -hmm. what's being implemented in schools. If your child is in public school, you're getting, you know, I, I said when I found out that HB 1214 had been introduced, I told the parents then, if you've got a child in public school, go ahead and lawyer up. That was my advice. Wow. Do, do you think there is any hope for a legal fight or legal success? I don't think so, in my opinion, because a lot of these behavioral health liaisons and clinical social workers that they're putting in schools, you need to understand that under federal law, they're protected because they're considered medical professionals. Yep. And so... They're under the AMA. Right. And so, you know, what if a parent isn't going to remove their, their child and their children are going to be subjected to this, their only course of action would be to hire an attorney in the event that something like this happens. My advice would be get them out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't gamble it to begin with, but there are some that, you know, um, still haven't made that decision. But I would definitely encourage them, you know, get parents, get your kids out. Out, out of school system. Yes, altogether. out of the yes, out and of the public. Would school you system. include that not just public but the private schools? The I, I would be very careful with private schools, and here's why: you're still yeah. advocating abdicating your responsibility to others to disciple and teach your children. Yeah. So first off, you have to make sure that that private school is not accepting federal funding. Right. And there's a push for that nationwide. Uh -huh. And so once the private school starts accepting government funding, it's only private in name only. Right. Because it's going to be controlled by the government. So if you want complete autonomy, you've got to be the one to, to take the responsibility for the educating and discipling of your children. Absolutely. That's a and stay 100%. away from federal funding and government funding of all kinds. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially you know since we've we've seen what their goals are. Absolutely. I do want to talk a little bit about private schools. Uh, we were talking before we started recording mm -hmm. about one in particular, and uh, I, I see you know throughout my research, I yeah. see this common thread. 
I hate using the word controlled opposition because I think it's been, it's become like the term conspiracy theorist. Uh -huh. You know, it's a, a way of just shutting down conversation. But I do see continuously, uh, you know, organizations that are either created with the intention of or they've been co-opted to lead the opposition mm -hmm. um, and to, uh, you know, be a front for something that they're purporting to uh, do and they're really, it's just a shell and the, their actions are very different than what they purport. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on, I, we had talked in particular about Hillsdale, which I know yeah. is going to upset some people, but. <laughs> yeah, I think, and, and I've done several um, yeah. informational pieces over on For Your Children about Hillsdale. What a lot of people don't realize is that Hillsdale has accepted federal funding. Yep. Um, I screened a documentary titled Truth and Lies in American Education not long ago. Okay. And one the the key person in that well Alex Newman was in that documentary number one Love and him. I know that you have interviewed Alex yeah. correct and I have I'm on his show tomorrow yes <laughs> yes and I have interviewed Alex as well if you have not checked out all of his resources do mm -hmm. so he's yeah. his information is phenomenal uh, but Alex makes an appearance in that film as well as a lady named April Few the the film is actually about April Few okay, okay. and so I had shared several pieces just today about Hillsdale and some okay. things that I had found out in my research and she commented on my post. Okay. And um, she is involved with an organization called USPI, United States Parents Involved in Education. And her comment, and people can see it, it's right there for everyone to see. She made the statement that um, someone involved with USPI had actually contacted Hill Hillsdale and asked them if they had accepted federal funding, and they said yes. Yeah. So um, that's already been established. We sure. know that they're accepting federal funding. The And right now in Tennessee, you know, Governor Lee wants to put all of these Hillsdale-affiliated charters all across the state. Mm -hmm. And so our county that we live in is, is getting ready to vote on this particular charter school that Hillsdale is wanting to open or the Barney School Initiative is wanting to open um, mm -hmm. in our county on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people do not like the fact that I have shared the information <laughs> that I have shared regarding sure. Hillsdale. But my personal opinion about all of this is that the parents are being sold a false narrative. Right. If this particular group of charter schools has accepted federal funding, which it has, that mm -hmm. has been established, then the government, it's the same as a public school, number one. Yeah. Um, and I, I do not like the fact that these charter schools have appointed boards, so it is complete and total taxation without representation. Taxpayers are expected to fund these schools, and we have no say mm -hmm. in, in what they're doing. And I don't believe that that's right. But the fact that they come in, you know, the ESSA federal law has already established that any school that accepts government funding, they all have to teach the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we've already established that they have accepted federal funding. So we know that they're going to have to teach the same things that are being taught in the public school system. And here's what parents don't understand. Yes, they may be able to choose their own curriculum, but that curriculum has to align with all of the national standards. Mm -hmm. And so I shared some information about that because all these kids are going to be taking assessments. And again, those assessments are used for data mining mm -hmm. <laughs> and to go ahead and, you know, bring in the, the agenda, the globalist agenda that they have for education in our nation anyway. Right. Right. So 
I, and I'm sure Hillsdale's not the only one. I think it's just, you know, I, I think it's an important one to bring up because right. a lot of a lot of people in the freedom sphere. Right. You know, I wouldn't even put it in a political sense, you know. No, it's really and, just and, people. and it's not I'm not just picking on Hillsdale. Yeah, I shared right. information about that too. The charter school mm-hmm. network in yeah. general is leveraging federal funding. Yeah. Okay. I was just I just yeah. think it's an important one because a lot of people who are, you know, on the political right yes. or freedom minded, they yes. tend to look to Hillsdale right. as the bastion of hope. Right. And, you know, their college, Hillsdale College, very well may not accept federal funding. Well, I know Whitmer endorsed them, and uh, I haven't looked too much into their funding sources. I I did see... Uh, you know, there was, there was reference to a Masonic Lodge. Right, but, so right. there, there seem to be some interesting ties, but yeah. I don't know. And, but exactly. we do know that the charter schools that they're opening up are definitely uh, accepting federal, federal funding. funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, yeah, regardless of yeah. what the, the name is or what the brand may be. And this, exactly. is, this is what I see so often, mm-hmm. though, is that they, there is an established brand. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it really... You know, I, I hate to be the complete paranoid person, but in some cases it was designed that way. Absolutely. They were, you mm-hmm. know, they created this brand in order to lead the opposition. But Absolutely. in other cases, they're just co-opted. Right. Um, because people think, you know, sometimes innocently so, sometimes it's greed and they exactly. just want the money. Mm-hmm. And they're not thinking about what the ramifications of taking those funds would be. Right. So. I've said from the very beginning that one of the many missions that I have for Free Your Children is for the scales to be removed from the eyes of as many people as possible. Right. Um, and that their hearts will soften and that uh-huh. they will open their ears and their eyes to truth uh-huh. um, so that they can continue to you know, fight for the souls of our nation's children. Right. Absolutely. So we, we've talked a little bit about this global agenda. I mean, there's a big global agenda, but right. it sounds like there's a very specific one for education. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have lots of thoughts on what that might, what that end goal might mm-hmm. be. Obviously, you had mentioned it means they have to submit to, you know, right. uniform standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then what does that make them? Makes them global a global workforce. Ci- a global workforce. A global workforce. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Global citizens. Yes. And it's been said over and over again, the best way to control a society is to get to their youth. Yes. Right, mm-hmm. and to yeah, to mm-hmm. control the youth and right. to separate them, to have them separate yeah. them from the parents exactly, and take full control. Mm-hmm. So for the parents who, because I do, I I know personally, like mm-hmm. many who think like we do, uh-huh. um, and uh, you know, I don't have children, but I have many friends who do. Right, um, I hope to. Yeah, and uh, I would never dream of putting them in any school, <laughs> but uh, I happen to love to learn, so I'm right. excited to learn with them. Yeah. but. Uh, but I know that's really, really daunting for mm-hmm. a lot of people. And uh, is there, do you have any suggestions for like baby steps? I do. I actually okay. wrote an article. Okay. Um, it's called Eating the Elephant One Bite at a Time. Ah, my and, fiance says that all the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so I give practical steps on how to navigate okay. your homeschool journey. If, mm-hmm. if people have specific questions and want to reach out to me, yeah. um, they can do that as well. Okay. But depending, Homeschool laws vary widely depending on which state that you right. live in. So the very first thing they need to do is figure out what the legalities are of homeschooling in their state. Okay. Uh, the first step's always the hardest. Yeah. You just got to take the leap right. and not look back. And so eat that elephant one bite at a time. Start by 
trying to define, you know, legally what you need to do to make okay. sure that your bases are covered, get your children removed, and then do some research. You got to do D school, and I've spoken about that, yeah. you know, earlier in the podcast, sure. and then decide what homeschool model that you think that you would like to implement mm-hmm. um, based because you know your children better than anyone else. So right. you're going to know what you think is going to work with them. You had said, uh, like, maybe spend the first year doing more research, like figuring out what you're going to do. And I know this from talking to some other parents who pulled their kids out and were just flabbergasted and overwhelmed. Uh And, uh, you know, they they were kind of in a state of shock initially, didn't know what to do and terrified. Right. And uh, some of them that I've spoken to actually said it took a few years. Yeah. And they were mm-hmm. so worried that their children would be so behind. Right. Uh, you know, oh, my gosh, there's two years that I didn't really teach them. And what would now I, I will just preface before I let you answer. Uh, we, we did see COVID with, you know, two right. years. We, we've seen this in the. The, the Red Guards, the Maoist takeover, they right. had a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, it really didn't go so well. But right. I've heard with these homeschools that because they're still following the parent, they're actually still learning. Oh, absolutely. So what, what are your thoughts well, on Well, this that? is what I say about being okay. behind. The only okay. behind in homeschooling is the one you're sitting on. <laughs> Okay. So that's what I like to say about who are you behind? I mean, are we going to follow the nation standards, uh-huh. the school system standards? I mean, if we look at the nation's report card, they're not really doing a very good job no. of turning out literate individuals. So, yeah. you know, I would say don't worry about keeping up with what's going on in the public school system. And that goes right back to doing a deep dive into educating yourself in terms of what you believe education really is. Right. Um, Education is not just sitting down at a desk doing worksheet or worksheet, worksheet, right. reading, you know, reading textbooks. That's not even education. Typically, that's just trying to cram information in so you can regurgitate it for a test. Sure. Yeah. Um, Indoctrination. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's very important for parents to, yeah. to realize, number one. One thing that I also tell people to do is find a mentor. Reach out, tap into your local homeschool communities. They're everywhere. Um, I can help you, you know, help someone if they don't know where to look, kind of get tied in with with some folks in their area. But choose a mentor that has graduated at least one child via homeschooling so that you can see the big picture, Mm -hmm. you know, so that they can kind of walk you through the process and answer your questions. But tap in to those resources because I think for most parents, it's not that they can't do it. They're just scared. Right. And they need the support and encouragement. And once they find someone to help them with that, mm-hmm. then after a little bit, they realize, you know what? I can do this. It wasn't as hard as right. I thought it was going to be from the very beginning because people have just been conditioned to believe, again, that the experts are better equipped than the parents. Listen, if you're listening to this, your child went to school, you taught them to walk. Mm-hmm. You taught them to eat. You mm-hmm. taught them so many things. That doesn't just end when they miraculously <laughs> turn five years old. You know, you are still qualified to teach your children. Absolutely. Don't let anyone tell you any different. You are qualified to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your, I, because I do, and then this, this I'm very hopeful about, I see so many people taking this route or at least exploring uh-huh. it pulling kids out of the indoctrination system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, that's really encouraging. Uh-huh. But I don't know, what does that mean for the future? Because now it's not standardized. Right. Many of them may not be able to go on to college, which might be a good thing. I, I think that's like the pinnacle, the right. PhD is the pinnacle right. of the uh, indoctr- indoctrination uh-huh. system. Uh, but then they're not 
they're not in that system. So what does that mean for the future of our workforce, for the future of our society? Well, I'll tell you this. There is an institute called NERI. That's the National Home Education Research Institute that Mm -hmm. has some fantastic statistics regarding um, homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that we have graduated our oldest three children from Mm -hmm. homeschooling. They've all gone on to college. Um, So they can do that very successfully if they so choose. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not one that defines find success with um, a college degree. (laughs) Success means many different things to many different people. So I would encourage parents, again, you have to go back and relearn everything you thought. I know I've said that a lot, but you really have to let go of a lot of the preconceived notions. And you need, if you don't, if you have a child that isn't suited for college, so what? Mm-hmm. They might be successful, even more successful, doing something else. And homeschooling allows them the opportunity to tap into that. Right. Whereas if they're in school, stuck in this uh, workforce development model where they're told you're going to grow up and you're going to screw rivets into whatever you screw rivets into. <laughs> and their whole and their whole education has been geared around that. They're going to graduate with no other choices. Right. So I don't see homeschooling as limiting opportunities. Instead, I see uh-huh. homeschooling as expanding. Right. So many more opportunities. Our older children had the opportunity to go and actually work with other professionals during the school day when they were being homeschooled. So instead of being stuck in a desk in a brick and mortar school building, they could go out and investigate things that they thought that they might be interested in as future careers. Totally. Totally. There was one point I wanted to mention, I'm not sure if we did, but you were talking about how UNESCO was tied to this uh, this initiative that's coming yeah. up. Yeah. Um, and for those who are not familiar, UNESCO was led by Julian Husk. Huxley, who I'm going to blank on and butcher the quote if I try to say it, but he basically was advocating for eugenics and depopulation. Yes, and 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 like I said, like we mentioned earlier, none of this is a hidden agenda. You can go to UNESCO's website and you can see what their plans are for education. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I haven't done that recently. I'm not sure I want to, but yeah. <laughs> I encourage everyone else to. Uh, yeah, most of the things I've read in the past were right. quite disturbing. Yes, so, very much so. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for everything you're doing and for spending the time with me and my audience today. Do you have anything else you want to make sure we cover? And I think we covered, well, okay. yeah, <laughs> we know, scratched the surface, we let's did, say that. Yeah. I do want to thank you for having me on. I really yeah. appreciate the opportunity, and I just encourage parents out there, do your research. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell everybody where they can find your show, your articles, all the great work you're doing, because there's, I, I, as she said, we scratched the surface yes, barely. So absolutely. You can find all of the articles that I have pinned to date at the Borough Pulse. That's B-O-R-O-P-U-L-S-E.com. All the articles there are all about education. You can find me at FreeYourChildren.com. That's my website. You can also find me on WXRQ 1460 AM, where my show airs every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. You can also find me on Spotify. So all of my previously aired shows have been uploaded to Spotify for your children. You can find me there as well. You can email me for your children at gmail.com or catch me on Facebook at for your children. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for watching.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.